I have an inspiring thing to tell you today. Inspiring. You've heard it already, and I want to make sure that you did not miss that it is inspiring. For this week, in your mailbox will arrive your stewardship packet. I'm not going to talk to you about what to do in response. You will hear plenty about that from the Stewardship Committee. This morning I want to talk to you a minute about the experience of opening that piece of mail. If your mail is anything like mine, it involves a stack of bills and advertisements, election pamphlets and catalogs you did not request. You check the stack carefully only so that you won't go to jail for missing jury duty or for those chance moments in our culture when someone still sends a handwritten note. And there are mailings like the ones we send you, coming from the different organizations and institutions you know and support. And in that way, the mailing we will send you this week is not unusual. Let me tell you what I think is unusual about it. In the pages of our mailer, you will get a glimpse of what I am so blessed to witness every day here at Knox. In a culture where people are increasingly lonely and isolated, at Knox, people are part of a community where we are not alone. Let me tell you about a few pictures you will see in your mail this week. There's a picture of a crowd of teenagers, kids in the most insecure part of life, junior high and high school. They're singing and dancing together in front of a packed room, a sellout crowd in our youth musical. And they're having the time of their lives. Another picture is of an older member of Knox, a white man, sitting with two young black men at Third Presbyterian Church. The thing I like most about the picture is the caption. It says, we give to change ourselves. The older man in that picture is part of a group of Knox men who are growing in their understanding of racial difference, poverty, and what it means to live in the city of Cincinnati. They're growing in those ways because they spend time at Third Church. One more picture I'll tell you about. It's a group of young children. They're circled around a parachute. I've played plenty of parachute games in my own childhood. You probably have as well. You stand in a circle, you throw the parachute up in the air, you pull it down behind you, and it forms a dome. As a parent of a child that age, I know those activities differently than I used to. Little kids that age love to say to you in all different kinds of circumstances, I can do it myself. They tell you that about all kinds of things. Parachute games are one of the many ways teachers send a subtle message to young children, something they will need to know in order to live a balanced life in adulthood. You cannot play the parachute game alone. There are many things in life that you cannot do all by yourself. We need one another. 
This is one of the most important articles of Christian faith. We need one another. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 says this, For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one in the body of Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. It's one of Paul's favorite ways to describe what is happening in church. When people of faith get together, his metaphor is about the body. He uses it not just here, but over and over again. Ears and eyes, hearts and hands, optic nerves and eyelashes, they all have their essential purpose, and they all need one another. None of them can say to another, I can do it all by myself. And that's a lesson of faith for all of us. Because it's not just our littlest ones who try to do it all by themselves. We grown-ups do it all the time. We try to go it alone in life. America has always been the land of rugged individualism, but more recently, something different is happening. Changes in our culture, from the rise of technology to the breakdown of our institutions, are making us lonely. I've been hearing a lot about loneliness lately. Last week, one of you gave me a copy of Senator Ben Sasse's new book. It's called Them, Why We Hate Each Other and How to Heal. It's written by a senator, so I was surprised to find out that the book is not about politics. It's about the problems we are facing as a culture because of our disconnection from one another. It's a book about loneliness. People are wondering about loneliness. I preached a sermon over the summer that elicited more feedback than anyone I've ever preached in this congregation. It was about the idea that what most Christians have come to church seeking, not just in our own time, but in ancient times as well, what most Christians come to church seeking is to belong. Not everyone agreed with what I had to say about that, but lots of you wanted to talk about it. <coughs> People are talking about loneliness. I promise I'm not making this third example up. I had these ideas churning in my head these, this week. I was wondering if loneliness was really the thing to talk about in relationship to Romans 12. Are regular people really thinking about that? On Friday, I sat down for lunch in a Chinese restaurant. I took out my laptop to do a little bit of writing. Three people sat down at the very next table right across the aisle from me. Immediately, one of them leaned in toward the other two and said to them, 
Have you two noticed that people seem to be a lot more lonely these days? Okay, God, I got it. Loneliness. People are talking about loneliness these days. Let me tell you about a piece of sociological research on the subject. Mark Dunkelman, in his book, The Vanishing Neighbor, notes that it isn't that people are less interested in connection than they once were. It's that people are seeking connection in different ways because Friday night football and the Rotary Club and church are not the same institutions in our culture that they once were. Dunkelman describes our social connectedness in any time like three different rings. You can think about them like the rings around Saturn. There's an inner ring. It's a small group of the most important, most intimate relationships you have in your life. Family, best friends, closest co-workers. And then there's a middle ring of connections. Historically, these are civic organizations, neighborhood schools, religious organizations. And then there's an outer ring made up of weaker social ties that we have with people we know just a little bit through shared interests or, or daily routines. Three rings. Historically, it's been the middle ring connections that introduce more inner ring connections into our lives, that bring us into ongoing relationships with people who we may become very close with, or people who we may never have known otherwise, and who are different from us. And as those middle ring institutions like the church have been in steep declines for the last 50 years, people are finding fewer places to connect in ways that keep us civil. And people are finding fewer places to cultivate connections that keep us from feeling alone. Here's a story to the contrary. Several months ago, a member of Knox was shocked and surprised by a cancer diagnosis. I know this has happened to many of you. Plenty of you have been there, and when the initial shock wore off for this person, and by the time treatments began, her name was on our prayer list, that prayer list that many of you read very carefully every week. These past months have been a long road, and every time I see this person, I hear about this amazing community, Knox Presbyterian Church. Phone calls, texts, letters in the mail, meals prepared. The outpouring of support was just incredible, she says. It made the burden of cancer bearable. <coughs> she knew she was not alone. I hesitated a bit to tell that story because I'm sure there are some of you out there who don't feel that way. Perhaps you've been going through something hard and we didn't know about it. Perhaps your network of support was someplace else. 
Perhaps you're on the introverted side and haven't ever felt so connected here as you hoped you would. (coughs) Perhaps you have some expectations of connectedness with your pastor, and I've disappointed you. Perhaps you hoped for a warm reception from a Knox group you visited, but someone acted clicky and excluded you. I know all of those situations exist, and I wish they were different, but we are human here, and we make mistakes. And yet, I told that story still. I think it is worth saying Because that woman's experience is far from unique. I did not tell it because it was this thing that happened years ago that I put in a file knowing it had to come up in a sermon someday. I hear stories like that all the time. I've been deeply involved in more than a few church communities, and I am convinced that one of the special gifts of Knox is the way it surrounds people with community when they find themselves in a situation they cannot face alone. The middle ring may be disappearing in our culture, but there's an inner ring of our relationships that is strong, and there is an outer ring that is porous enough to welcome new people. I'm sure none of you woke up thinking about it, but in church tradition, the last Sunday of October is called Reformation Sunday. Every year, it's the year when we recall the great changes that took place in the church 500 years ago, and we remember how Presbyterians came into being. One of the great changes back then had to do with exactly what we are talking about today. Presbyterians believe that clergy, people like Jana and myself, we are not priests here to be faithful on your behalf. No, that is the responsibility of every single member of the body of Christ. All of you have gifts. All of you are necessary. And if we come together, we believe that God has already given us exactly what we need to do the work that is before us. We already have everything we need. That's a failing stewardship message. (laughs) Stewardship is a word we have really screwed up in the last century or so. The word comes from the Old English stigward, a name for the keeper of the house. That's what we all are. We are keepers of the household that God has entrusted to us. God has entrusted Knox to us. Knox doesn't belong to any of us. It belongs to God. We are charged with taking care of it for this season, doing the work to which God has called us. The reading this morning says that we are called to care for God's house by presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. And we are called here to be transformed in this family of faith, to be transformed in this body of Christ. 
How could you ever make a sacrifice or experience transformation in a community that left you feeling alone? So I decided to talk about our togetherness today. The sacrifices are important. We will talk about them. Knox is a place focused on our household's outward relationships with our community, the things that happen beyond those walls. I'll be talking about those things in the weeks to come. But today I simply wanted to say thank you to all of you, to God. Thankful. That's what I am, that we are called to take care of God's household together. We are called to care about one another, and we do. God has given us what we have and has given us each other. And I believe it is going to be enough. Amen.